podcast time. It's podcast time, baby boys. And it's your host, Vinny Hunter here. I just want to come in real quick and give this the good old-fashioned, just a good old-fashioned welcome to another episode of Fries with Vinny. Uh, this episode was a ton of fun for me because I got to have a conversation with Silly Drifloon, a.k.a. Zadie. Uh, Y'all might know her as the girlfriend of uh, Pedro, a.k.a. the media nut, who I had on a few episodes back. And uh, yeah, we had a really great conversation, and I thought it was a ton of fun with this episode. So I'm just I'm just going to, because it was kind of a long conversation, I'm just going to let you all jump right into it right now. So without further ado, uh, here's the episode. All right, starting now, starting now, anything that you say can be used against you in a court of law. Uh-oh. So. <laughs> I guess I better be careful then. <laughs> All right. So I am, um, uh, for a little background so that people know, uh, the, everybody, this is uh, Silly Drifloon, a.k.a. Are, are you okay with using your first name? Like your, yeah, your actual... I'm fine. Okay. I'm fine. A.k.a. Zadie, which is probably what I will refer to you two as. Uh, depending <laughs> on the context, I've, it's it's random for me who I who I use their internet nickname and who I just use the uh, you know the real name. name. Yeah, yeah. There's the, an episode I did a few episodes ago or a few guest episodes ago. Um, Blur. His original YouTube name was Blur Velocity. I've called him Blur ever since, even though he's changed his name since then. And now I know his actual name. I still think of him as Blur. Whereas like you and Pedro, I, uh, I, I, I've known Pedro's name the longest. So his feels the most comfortable yours. I didn't know your actual name for a while and I was a little nervous to use it. Cause you know, I was just oh, like, really? <laughs> well, just, I don't know. It's just like, I was afraid of like mispronouncing it or anything. Cause it's not a name I'd heard before. So, yeah. You know, I actually yeah. get that a lot that a lot of people look at my name and they're like, wow, that's so unique. I've never heard mm. <laughs> like, cause I mean, it's it the looks, spelling. it looks easy to pronounce. It looks easy to pronounce, but I'm just like, oh, you, I think that now, but then I'm going to like pronounce it like, and you're going to be like, what the heck? I've never <laughs> no, heard but that yeah, you got it right. It's, it's Zadie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it in videos now, so, you know, I'm a little more, a little more confident. <laughs> Yeah, a little more. But chill. anyway, well, <laughs> welcome to Fridays with Vinny. Happy Friday! It's not actually Friday, but we can pretend. Well, you know what? It's close enough, so we're good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, your... I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Yeah. Do you have is like a Friday a Friday for you, or do you work on weekends? Um, it's more so that this upcoming Friday in particular, I had a prior commitment with a, another group mm, sure. to, um, get in a meeting at around this time or b- a bit before this time right. as well. So I guess it just seemed more convenient to do it. Right. Like, yeah, but yeah, like typically, typically is a, like, would a Friday be your day for your weekend? Like, or do you, you like you work a normal nine to five typically? Um, um no, I guess Fridays for now are good for me. Um, yeah. I guess it's just either a bit before this time mm-hmm. or a bit yeah. after this well, time. Like it's just this yeah. time the, of day. The in reason the reason of, I ask yeah. is because like there's kind of a there's kind of a culture of like you know every time I go to the coffee shop on like a Friday they're like oh you got any plans for the weekend it's like no I actually work weekends you know Cause it's it's like completely changed ever since I started mm-hmm. um 
working for my dad because um, I, I, I'm going to school right now. Uh, so it's just like, well, I kind of need my weekdays a little more free. Whereas, so instead I end up working all day Saturdays. Uh, so it's no longer, it, it completely changes your mindset about like how you approach a week, you know? Yeah. um, yeah. Well, as for the moment, I, I work from home, so I'm not really, I don't really have commitments, I guess, like that, I guess you could say. Right. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, I'm excited to be here. Um, by the way, I love your hell of a boss shirt <laughs> oh thank you uh you're the third person who's recognized it outside of like two people at school who've been like hey hey yeah uh, no i i love that show i love that everything that vivzy oh pop has done it's really good it's, yeah it's so well like i don't know it's so well written and everything it's just like it, it seems just like a, a like an edgy youtube show when you first see it but then it's just like <laughs> I don't know. I've I've fallen in love with it so much. I I was recommended like Has Been Hotel um, forever ago, and I kept putting off watching it. And finally, I watched both shows, and I am uh, suffice it to say, I am fully hooked in the uh, in in both in both uh, cartoons. Hopefully, we get a Has Been Hotel. The show comes out soon. I don't know. I know that it's like it's. It was originally going to be an Adult Swim show, wasn't it? Or am I am I misremembering this? Mm, I I don't recall. I know that um a, a studio did pick it up, but I I it was definitely not um yeah uh, I don't Adult Swim. Yeah, I don't. I, I know they don't have it now, but like and then the, the recently I think there was some kind of like weirdness with like and then a different studio got it i don't i don't know i i like that at a hell of a boss is like completely funded by uh by like merch and stuff you know yeah uh, that was really awesome because um i recently was checking out uh vivzy's um patreon and i see like all of her goals being reached like this was 100 percent a crowdfunded show and Mm. Honestly, it's really incredible that we as the internet can get together and yeah, make something like that happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I'm, I'm curious, like, do, do, what do you think? Do you think, like, this is kind of kind of be the future of, of like, entertainment? Like, are we going to see more and more, like, uh, uh, crowdfunded stuff and, like, independent stuff? Or do you think, like, do you think the big industries are always going to be kind of, like, still taken over? Um, it I feels feel like, like the- people are more frustrated, mm-hmm. like, with Disney. Uh, right canceling owl houses third season and stuff like that you know yeah i feel like i feel like big corporations are always going to see things from a marketing perspective they're always going to see things from a what will sell the most toys and the most merch and what can make the most profit and since they're always seeing it that way they will never see the creative aspect of (laughs) of of the of the shows they won't see the creative value in it and so then they won't value it as much and they just toss them away like it's nothing in the end. And they've already done that. Uh, Warner Brothers Media has already done that with everything that's going on with yeah. HBO Max oh, and I, Discovery. <laughs> yeah, so I, I brought that old that. wound up. But yes, uh. it's just so frustrating that they're erasing all these shows from existence and canceling left and right like they don't even matter when they don't even realize that there's hundreds of animators and artists and writers who put their blood sweat and tears into bringing these characters to life into bringing these stories to life because you know we as humans we connect the most with Mm. story the stories we tell each other and what is you know animation and animated shows than just that us trying to connect and relate to each other 
by telling these stories to other people yeah. and, and getting that out there and putting your creativity out into the world. So I feel like with crowdfunded things, the people know that. It's like, this is what we want. We know that. We recognize that. We want to fund this so that you can get this idea off the ground. And I really do hope that takes off because it's just so frustrating to see all these creative projects being silenced and erased from existence yeah. because corporations can't see the value of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of like, there was a clip I saw earlier today uh, of Stan Lee talking about when he created Spider-Man. And at the time they were just like, we don't, we don't want a teenage superhero. Teenagers are just the sidekicks. That's what they do. You know? <laughs> and now, nowadays, every superhero is a teenager, you know, all these, yeah. you, you see that all the time. That's like now a common trope is that, you know, teenager gets superpowers. And yeah. it's, it's so fascinating. Cause like the industry, he's like a new idea and they're like, nah, we don't, that's not what we do. And then somebody is able to do it and it blows up and they're like, Oh, this makes money. Now we, that's all we do. Um, and I, I think <laughs> that like, yeah, yeah. It, it takes away a lot of the heart from like, like you were saying, you know, the creative, uh, right. the creative passion behind a project. Uh, yeah, anyway. and I, I definitely remember seeing Stan Lee. Um, I'm sorry if this topic we're kind of like on this topic for a bit, but um, I definitely do remember Stan Lee mentioning that when he created Spider-Man, he was like, oh, you know, it would be really cool if we gave this teenage boy personal problems. Yeah. <laughs> and the person yes, was like, like his uh, consultant was mm -hmm. like, what do you mean? No one wants to see personal problems, but it's like, yeah, yeah we do, <laughs> because that's how we connect. That's how we relate to the character. Right. Yeah. People don't yeah. realize that. <laughs> I think at the time, I imagine that corporate person was thinking of like the reason that Superman, like that character, was so was was so beloved. It's because Superman came out at a time, I believe, was that uh, one of the World Wars, like World War Two, that was around, um, or is yeah, it? Yeah, it, it might have been. I don't know too much about anyway, Superman. But... I, I know that Superman originally like had fought Nazis a couple times. Um, yes. So, and it was kind of like a thing of like, we, the people felt powerless. And so to see a, a, a character that was like all powerful coming to save the day was like, it, it was an, it was an, it was a nice thing. Um, and so I, I imagine that he was just like, well, superheroes, they don't have personal problems. That's what makes them right. super, you know, whereas like, uh, Stan Lee was, was trying to create more of a character thing. And, uh, yeah. Right. And it, it, I, yeah, I, I think that, um. It's kind of like a um, psychological thing where like the, the culture has shifted. And I think part of the problem with the industry is that it's always going to be grandfathered in. You know, there are, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure like you and I are going to grow up and see. I mean, I already see like trends on TikTok and I'm just like, what are these kids up to? What are these? I don't <laughs> get it, you know, and I'm yeah. only 25. How bad is it going to be when I'm like 50, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I totally do see that it is a difference in generation. Like, whereas one perspective is like, oh, I would love to see just someone who's invincible taking on the world. Like, but then yeah. the other person's like, well, I can't relate to a character if yeah. nothing bad ever happens to them. Right. You know, that just makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of industries taking properties and making making money off them, uh, the new Mario movie trailer. Um, I think you you've already watched it, right? I did, yes. Okay. Well, I've got it, I've actually got it pulled up here. Um so I'm going to I'm going to watch it for the first time now. 
All right, and, let's well, see for, your raw, unfiltered <laughs> reaction. Uncut, the, let's before go. <laughs> I do, yeah, before I do, I would just like to uh, preface this by saying that my uh, original reaction uh, to the Mario movie announcement um, was actually live on a previous podcast episode uh, aptly titled Chris Pratt is Mario. And uh, I think my <laughs> uh, my initial reaction was I thought I thought it was a meme, some kind of joke. Just like, oh, Chris Pratt's going to be Mario. And it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But uh, he was and he is. So I, I'm now going to uh, watch this for the first time and uh, and, and try my best to um, have some sort of reaction. Besides, All right, let's see what happens. Okay, here we go. Oh, good. It's been approved for appropriate audiences. I was I was hoping it would. Okay, that's that's uh, is that supposed to be Peach's Castle? Doesn't look like normal does, but. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new design for Bowser's ship. Oh wait, that's an island. Never mind. Oh, there's the Bowser. There's the Bowser. Okay, he's he's walking. Oh, that was that's not Peach's castle. That's some penguin castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> whoa you know the the style kind of reminds me of like how they uh create the characters in uh fix it felix or not fix it or wreck it ralph the movie. yes mario did remind me of fix it felix jr because he's so short <laughs> yeah okay and we got a few seconds of Luigi. Classic Mario trope. <laughs> uh, well, while I'm digesting that, what was your like what was your initial like reaction? Oh, I was so okay, so before the trailer started, I was terrified. I was like, you already know that video game movies have a bad reputation of being abysmally bad. Like it's a next level of how terrible they are. <laughs> so when I heard that Chris Pratt was Mario and Jack Black was Bowser and Seth Rogen was Donkey Kong, <laughs> I was like, what kind of meme is this? This doesn't even feel like it's serious at all. Like it felt like they were just screwing around. Like I was so terrified. I was like, oh my God, I just want this movie to be good please um i don't know if it will be but we'll see and i was i had no idea what to expect but i as the trailer started i felt a level of excitement that i have not felt in a long time and it was just everything looked beautiful the bowser's ship when when it, the anchor came down when the koopas were moving when bowser blew his fire at the ice castle and everything was blowing up that looked stellar and then something clicked inside my head and i was like this is it this is the formula that we needed all along that we've been missing and that's <laughs> and that's mainly the the main thing that i took away from this is that a video game movie adaptation will always be better if it's fully animated like they did the yeah, right choice yeah. by mm. making this a fully animated adaptation and not going with the dumb live action route of mario comes to our world and everyone's a person right. like yeah. a, an actual actor like i like that it's all voice work mm. and it, yeah. you really can do a lot more 
with that in that sense. Um, when I heard Jack Black speak as Bowser, I was like blown Mm -hmm. away because I was so worried that it was going to be like a goofy voice, like how he did for Poe in Kung Fu Panda, which no hate to that, like that worked for that. But I was worried that, you know, Bowser wasn't going to be taken seriously Mm. at any point, but this was such a nice sweet spot where you could still have a goofy moment with Bowser, especially when the Mm -hmm. penguins were throwing the snowballs at him. That was so funny and cute. But you still felt the threatening presence in his voice. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically yeah. what I feel. Well, how do you feel? Well, I mean, because going back to like uh, the, my original thoughts on like the casting, uh, Jack mm-hmm. Black was actually the only one I was really excited about. I thought that yeah. like Charlie Day, when I, I, I saw like a clip of something animated of like they took like a, a Seth Rogen and Charlie uh, clip thing they were in together, some some. Mm-hmm. TV show or something, and they animated it as Donkey Kong. Oh, it, actually, that was two different clips. It was like one with Charlie Day as Luigi, and then somebody animated that, and then a different clip where it was oh, Donkey okay. Kong and some other thing. And so, anyway, you can probably find those if you look up like the animation thing. But anyway, um, I thought when when I saw those, it convinced me of like, oh, this could be actually this could be actually fun. Um, but like Jack Black, I he is one of my favorite actors. Partially mm-hmm. because like he's just he he's just he just seems so like comfortable in his own skin and that's yeah. something that I envy. But also he's got range. Like he was um he he's played some 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 pretty serious roles while also being a comedic actor. Um great right, example right. be in is um what was that? Nacho Libre. That was uh-huh. like even though that was a comedy, there was still a level of like I don't know, depth to his character, you know? Oh, like, okay. it wasn't just like, this is a dumb person. I felt like that film, uh, I, I, or I really like, um, I don't know. I just, I just really like that role that he played. And, um, you know, and since then, like, even in School of Rock, I don't know if you've right. seen that one, but like, yes, he's, he's got some, he's got some raw moments where it's just like, you know, uh, this is, this is somebody who, you know, was like, has like a uh, ideology that he's not, you know, he's trying to stick to, and but is just like growing out of that, um, you know, that age where you can be a rebel against society to where now it's no longer like an, 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 a normal trait to be like, uh, you know, against uh, capitalism. You know, now he's just a deadbeat that lives in his friend's place rent free. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't know. Um, so because of that, I was looking forward to kind of him as Bowser, but like, Chris Pratt, I don't, I don't think it's a, I didn't ever thought it was like a bad decision necessarily. It just felt like a very corporate decision, right? Yeah. Because like Chris Pratt has been in like animated stuff, like you know he was in the Lego Movie as the mm-hmm. uh, main character there, and so it's not like uh, it's not like he's unknown in like animation things. Um, I think the only thing that like uh, gave me uh, mis mis misgivings when it came to the cast was just that like every animated film that comes from a big studio, you don't see any voice actors being cast. Instead, you have a bunch of like normal Hollywood actors, which makes sense. You need the names in order to sell your picture. But at the same time, um, it's, it's a shame because there are so many fabulous voice actors that ought to be able to break into like Hollywood, like animated films instead of just sticking to anime and tv shows but they don't get to because all these hollywood actors um keep you know taking the spots taking the roles yeah yeah to take the roles and yeah it's so that's really just like 
obviously it's a corporate decision. This is a this is not this is not a small production. This is not a small IP. Oh uh, yeah, this, you, this and you can tell that about. a lot of money and, and yeah. time went into this. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but I agree with like what you're saying about like fully animated makes this movie feel really good. Mario yes. in this world doesn't seem like he's like a tiny human. He seems just like oh he's a normal human. And uh, here's my prediction, just based off that short trailer. Uh, I suspect he's, like, from, like, you know, Earth. But, like, in Earth, everybody looks like him. Like, he's not weird, you know? Like, he didn't right. seem, like, way shorter than Luigi. Maybe just slightly shorter, you know? Yeah, just so slightly shorter like, because, um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Luigi's always been taller than Mario. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, so, to me, it seems like he's going to come to this world and he's going to be, like, he's going to be the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, I guess, not straight man, but, like, the... Um, is there's a better term for that i can't think of but like the person that we relate to because he's from the normal version you know he's normal yeah. normal person going to this weird world and we're experiencing this weird land through him um yeah like everything weird original is happening Mario to movie. him <laughs> yeah yeah so like you know somebody it's it's in comedy they call that the straight man where it's like the person who's reacting to the crazy people the way we would um, but everyone else is in on the joke or something. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's my prediction is that he's going to be in this world and discover that he has some able to ha like harness some weird power or something. You know, like that seems like that seems like the setup they're going with. Yeah. And, um, maybe I'm interpolating too much. Maybe they're going to surprise me, uh, but probably not because you know <laughs> I've I've seen these kind of these kind of setups for movies before. Um, yeah. You know. It's actually, I mean, it's uh, you know, kind of like the reverse of of the Sonic movie. Instead yeah. of Sonic coming to our world, it's our our world, sort of, except coming into the Mario Mushroom State, Kingdom. Coming into the <laughs> Mushroom Kingdom, yeah, which makes sense because, like, it's it's weird that like Mario and Luigi are the only humans, you know, aside from Peach, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but it's always confusing. Is Peach an actual human or not? Because yeah, like yeah. It, the implications are that. Well, I don't know too much about how much of the Mario lore is canon or not, but like the implications know. are that um, the Toad species, like I don't, I, I am yeah. honestly very <laughs> confused with how when the I was... lore in Mario works. But you know what I'm talking about? There's <laughs> when a whole I was, theory when I was 14, that I took it very Peach. seriously, but now I don't. Yeah. 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 That yeah. whole, the, the crown was like the a crown thing, thing like, right? Well, the super maybe, crown. Maybe she's just a toad that's wearing the crown and it gives her some power and makes her human. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll find really out if they go that route anymore. or not when we actually see it. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say was that the definitely the casting for the movie seems fine to me now after I saw mm -hmm. this trailer. Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, Jack Black has range and he yeah. absolutely nailed his role as Bowser. I loved everything about what I saw with him specifically. And Chris Pratt doesn't sound too bad either. Like like you said, you didn't necessarily liked it, but you didn't necessarily hate it. So it, it, that's right. exactly yeah. how I feel. It's, yeah. Especially, like, well, like the yeah, way they're setting up the character, it seems like Chris Pratt is the normal man. So it makes sense for like, you know, the voice to be kind of goofy, but more or less just normal man. Exactly, know? exactly. And, and um, they didn't go with giving Mario like a stereotypical accent, which is, is fine yeah, which to me. Like I know a lot of people best. were complaining about that, <laughs> but 
I feel like it's fine. I know they gave him a little bit more of like a Brooklyn accent, a little bit. Yeah. I think you could hear that in the trailer, which is fine because in some iterations of Mario, like he's depicted mm-hmm. to be from there. So yeah, that, well, that's I don't the see original any problem with that. And like yeah. the original like arcade game was that Mario and Luigi were plumbers in Brooklyn. And, you know, exactly. But, so um, it's yeah. like I think that that's fine that he, the way he sounds, the way Chris Pratt right. made him sound. And yeah. again, no hate to Chris Pratt because every time he promotes this movie or every time he talks about it, he keeps saying how, oh, it's been a lifelong dream of mine to play Mario in a Mario movie right. because I yeah. love Mario and I grew up with Mario. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, OK, you know what? Even though I like you, I would prefer uh, voice actors getting the spotlight for once instead right, of Hollywood yeah, actors yeah. constantly taking the roles. Like I completely agree with you yeah, there, yeah, yeah. but it's like, you do feel okay. Like since he's wanted this for so long, it doesn't feel like it was just shoehorned or out of nowhere. Like this seems sure. like a role he was actively pursuing in that case, yeah, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, this is not like a problem with the Mario movie where I'm like, I can't believe the Mario movie would do this. It's like, no, this is a problem with the industry in general. and I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to expect Nintendo to come along and, uh, and change the industry with, with one movie, you know, exactly, they're not going to yeah. be the ones to do that. It's going to be somebody else. You know, I don't know who, not anybody who's in the game right now. It had, yeah. to, be, it had to be a case kind of like how DreamWorks came in. Uh, you know, with like where like Disney was the king, and then DreamWorks came in with uh, El Dorado and other films like and that. really challenged Compl- them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, yeah. Pe- first uh, company to really challenge Disney's monopoly on animated films. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, Nintendo might not be changing the industry, but they will definitely be changing the way video game movies are depicted. Because yeah. man, Sonic may have been like a really good video game movie heck even probably like currently the best video game movie out there with especially all the records it broke at the box office but definitely just seeing this trailer this feels like it's taking it to another level like this whole fully animated concept is Mm. definitely taking the video game movie idea and turning it into something else showing truly the potential of what a video game movie could look like like i saw this trailer and i was thinking oh my gosh how amazing would have the sonic movie have been both of them if it was fully animated like this you know if it had like right. a different premise instead of just sonic came to our world ha 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 yeah. real people and animated characters like that's yeah. every single video game movie and it gets tiring right. like and the same yeah. thing with detective pikachu it's like all the pokemon are cgi mm-hmm. and then we got the yeah. real people yeah. and it just seems like it right. blends into the crowd this mm-hmm. this on the other yeah. hand is standing out in a way that's right. phenomenal yeah. I think th- 3D animation has come a long way in like popping. You know, yes. originally like a lot of 3D animation was very bland, and I think um, you know, I think oh, actually, I mean, like I was saying, DreamWorks kind of was one of the first people to really change that. Films like Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon, the animation was like that was the first time I felt like 3D animation popped and like yes. really felt more lifelike by able because a lot of original 3d animation was very like it, it, this is done by computers you know this is all math you're seeing you're just seeing a visuals of math so like you see the original <laughs> toy story it's like it works because they're plastic but boy are they plastic you know and yeah it, but as 3d animation progressed we've seen more and more attempts at stylization you know and there's been a lot of successful attempts at making 3d animation feel more lifelike in the same way that like 2d animation was always able to be 
you know, very, very expressive in his animation. Because that's kind of the problem is that when you're not doing live action, you miss out on a lot of like the expressiveness. Whereas a lot of times when you mix animation and humans, you know, or or live action, uh, I think like you're saying, you kind of do, um, you know, the the Pokemon stand out, but the humans feel very bland in comparison or, you know, or in some cases the humans feel very lifelike, but then the animation is just like, what's going on here? You know? Yeah, Um, I completely agree with you there. And one of the best examples to point out something like that is looking at like the live action Lion King compared to the animated version. (laughs) And definitely a scene that people point out is that scene where Simba is running away from the stampede and yeah. in the animated version you see the terror in his eyes mm-hmm. it zooms in right. on his face he makes this yeah. expression like what is happening how could yeah. this happen yeah. and he starts mm-hmm. running but in the live action version he's just standing there <laughs> yeah. expressionless yeah. Right. and that's that's what you miss out on if you're trying to go for realism too much yeah. so yeah. that you lose the personality of your movie mm-hmm. you know yeah I think, like, in cases of, like, because we've had other uh, Disney live-action uh, adaptations. You know, we had um, Aladdin. We had, we've had we had Little Mermaid recently. Um, and most of those, like, with humans, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, with people, live-action stuff, you know, it kind of works because humans are expressive. You know, we recognize emotion in humans. We don't recognize emotion in animals, like, you know, in the normal world, unless they're, like, yeah. animated. Um Whereas like, but still with a lot of those films, they did feel still feel very corporate because of just how toned down everything felt, you know? Yeah. With, I think Aladdin, they did a good job because it felt like a Bollywood film. Like that was a good choice. (laughs) It did. Yeah. At the same time, like you missed out on a lot of like with the songs, like like, uh, the um, Prince Ali. It's one of my favorite uh, sequences in like animation films because of just how Robin Williams' character, the genie, was just hopping all over the place. And it was, it was, it was so well done. And you don't get that in the live-action version, you know? It's, it's very yeah. still, you know? So I'm, I'm curious, when is, um, when, is, is the, uh, when is the Little Mermaid movie coming out? Live-action. That's 2023. Okay, yeah. That's so next only, year, I believe. We've yeah. only seen like a minute and a half trailer. Okay. Because I'm just kind of curious because the trailer did seem very dark. And I don't, I, I, I just like underwater is just like, it was hardly any light versus like yeah. the animation where you kind of see more colors going on. Um, so I'm curious if maybe they're going for a, oh, she's underwater. She doesn't like it. And so the, the tone is kind of establishing that, you know, whereas like maybe when she's up in the ground, it's going to be like the world is full of magic, you know. So right. that's kind of the point is that she wants to be in a different world. So yeah. maybe that's an artistic choice or maybe I'm right. And maybe it's a corporate decision and they're just trying to make more money. But <laughs> Kind of like how every single DC movie gets darker and darker to the point where you can't right. see anything on the screen anymore. <laughs> They're trying too hard to be dark and edgy and realistic. And yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, again, that just takes the personality out of things. Like, it's okay right. to be fun and colorful and have expressions, you know. Like, it's it's the thing that gives your movie heart at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, definitely with the Little Mermaid live action, I feel like I'm going to be watching it solely for Halle Bailey's amazing singing performance. Like her voice is astounding, like phenomenal. 
um you can definitely tell that <laughs> she was definitely picked for the role for her voice talent and, and solely that um yeah yeah and well, what else was going to say? What I was going to say was that Lin Manuel uh, Miranda is apparently also working on some of the songs, and mm. that's very oh. exciting because yeah. every time he works on a song, you know it's going to be good. Like this, right. this is a man who understands music theory and knows how to construct a song, uh, and definitely yeah. a catchy cool. one that's going to be in your head forever. <laughs> yeah. Who so wrote, definitely like, the for the for, uh, for the voice work and performances, the song performances. I definitely yeah. will be watching it for that. <laughs> Whether yeah, or not okay. the movie is good or not, I guess <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, Lin Man Lin Manuel Miranda. Did he have anything to do with like the Encanto soundtrack or? Yes, so that he was... did Encanto. Okay. He did um, Moana, and he did Hamilton. And I'm sure he's done more, but those are the top okay. three yeah, that I know songs. him for. I heard because, like, I I love so many of those songs from Encanto. Yes. Um, and it was, it, but I heard like some people being like, "Oh, I expected better from Lin Manuel," and it's just like, "Really? What? I thought the songs were great. Maybe, maybe they were just holding to a higher standard because they've seen all the other great stuff, right? Done, you know, some people, some people, their skill is their curse, where it's just like you expect too much from them, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if they don't create. A, but I that uh, that movie is like one of my favorite favorite. Like honestly, uh, yeah, same here. Um, and I don't understand what people are talking <laughs> about when they say that they don't they hold Lin Manuel to a high standard and this was subpar because we can't forget that we don't talk about Bruno was literally it's, it's like so the top good. song for like a long while, like months yeah. and months, right. and it was still topping the charts. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know what people are talking song. about when they say that. I I think. I think uh, th these um, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe this was like, um, because this source I heard it from was just a podcast, and uh, they have some opinions that I'm just like, I think you're just being a little picky right now. But they they yeah. fully acknowledge that because that's just their approach. Um, but anyway, um, I wonder. I wonder if like, I'm curious about like, because obviously the Sonic movie was announced back in 2014, and then. A Mario movie was announced in 2018, um, and I w I wonder if like that like the Sonic movie had anything to do with the Mario movie finally getting made because for a long time Nintendo would say you'd just be like nope nobody's touching Mario there's no Mario movie gonna happen and all of a sudden they were just like okay we're we're we'll, we'll make a Mario movie yeah that's really interesting um, to think about like I think a... they were just scared to touch Mario in a movie setting ever since their first attempt because <laughs> you know yeah, that first Mario Bros movie was <laughs> probably the reason why people felt like video game movies could never be good you know that's probably what started Started the video game movie curse so there's something poetic about this new mario movie coming out in the 30th anniversary of that other movie that they made right yeah so it's like there's something poetic about that like they are redeeming yeah. themselves with this and that yeah. feels but nice. also it's kind of like a it's also another example of like nintendo like just kind of following sonic's <laughs> sonic's lead <laughs> uh you know they're just like oh sonic did something else cool let's go try that you know, so maybe it's all of a sudden it's going to switch around and there's going to be a ton of Mario movies, which everyone's going to be like, oh, my gosh, these are all masterpieces. And Sonic will have a bunch. And it's like, oh, this time Sonic has a sword in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And but. it's really a shame that it's like um, 
Sonic and the Sonic team and Sega in general, they try really hard to be uh, trendsetters. You know, they don't want yeah. to follow the crowd. They want to do things different. They want to stand out, even if it sucks. Like they're at least trying right. to be yeah. different. I, and I appreciate them for that. I respect them for that tremendously. I do. Um, and it's like, I feel like Nintendo, like, swoops in like a little bit after them and they do something that kind of tops them in that sense and so then all the attention goes back to mario like look at them they're doing great and it's like oh once again mario's better than sonic (laughs) but they don't realize that it's like oh but sega's the one trying to pave the way on their own they're the one Mm -hmm. trying to be the trailblazers in that sense (laughs) so it's like i I don't know i feel like people should respect sega a bit more Right. at least trying I, I think it's i think it's kind of a different approach to like where you where you innovate right because like yeah nintendo does a ton of innovation with like their consoles but oh, often yeah, it seems like they play it more safe with their games yes you know? absolutely So you'll have like you'll have like this crazy new technology like oh the wii oh my gosh motion controls who thought of that you know <laughs> and you know and they'll do and sometimes it doesn't work well you know the wii u was a pretty big flop you know the yeah. virtual boy we don't talk about virtual boy oh yeah we don't uh, talk about that but, <laughs> but like then when something does take off it's like the switch and it's the biggest thing ever you know and but yeah. then when it comes to it comes to so many of the games like their best games like when you think about like um mario odyssey or breath of the wild how many sub subpar zelda games and mario games came before those ones like we had four different new super mario brothers that used the same exact format before yes. they finally were just like well let's try something different then i guess i don't know and then they create the best game ever you know and you know same thing with breath of the wild how many like normal zelda games do we create before finally you know we get like this open world thing which was so obvious they did it in the first game and it was great and then finally we see it again you know 35 years later um yeah and yeah it's it seems like they're just kind of like you know uh you know sega wants to be more experimental with their games probably because their consoles didn't work out so well uh whereas like nintendo's very experimental with their consoles often to the point of fault but then when it comes to their games they tend to like try to you know follow like the trends a little bit more than maybe right i completely agree with you on that like they do not want to stray away from the typical mario formula and i'm so glad that you brought up uh the new super mario bros series because that is the number one thing i point to when i say that nintendo wants to play it safe with their games because i i'm always saying that like we got new super mario bros on the ds and then we got new super mario bros wii then we got new super mario bros u new super luigi bros u i think it was Mm -hmm. new super mario bros you deluxe right and it just keeps going they always had like some power up they were advertising like this one you do is this but compare like (laughs) compare mario brothers one and then three which was like you know technically you had two but we don't talk about two because two wasn't actually two it was some other game with mario's skin swap but anyway yeah uh, you go from one to three you know the tanuki tale added so much so so many elements to the gameplay it's incredible you know it was like a completely different game tuned up so much you go from that and you jump to mario world and it's just like well now you have the cape you have yoshi you have all this new stuff it's you know and all these new elements and how you can control mario it it opened up so many mechanics in the game it was incredible exactly and, okay so then then we go but then you compare say new super mario brothers 
Well, now New Super Mario Brothers 2, instead of this tail, he has that tail, which is the exact same thing. Oh, now he has this tail, which is the exact same thing. Oh, now Yoshi is a baby and can go balloon, which is kind of similar to the, the helicopter cap. I remember that, that yeah. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's innovation, but it's not doing anything. It's like, you're just trying, you're yeah. just making a marketing tactic. It, it is, know? and it started to feel more like gimmicks. Exactly. I feel right, the exact yeah. same way. Like the coin block head for New Super Mario Bros. 2 or the propeller hat for New Super Mario Bros. Wii. It's like, here, play the exact same game, right. but the gimmick this time is place gimmick here. And it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like we were getting anything new or fresh. And it's like, that's that's their, like I guess, where their yeah. fault is at. I feel like every five to ten years, we get some cool innovation from Nintendo, you know? It's yeah. just like, you know, I mean, you go back to, like, the GameCube era. We had s three different Mario parties, which were essentially the same game. But then you had, like, Luigi's Mansion, which was, uh, like, sounds ridiculous, you know? It sounds like such a ridiculous idea, but it works so well, you know? Same thing when you go to the Wii. It's like that's a lot of innovation going on, but a lot of the games were pretty like, you know, I mean, yeah, bowling. That makes sense to have on a motion control game, pretend that you're bowling or fishing or stuff like that. But then you had like Super Mario Galaxy, which while not my favorite Mario game, I will say I think it's actually a really good game if you take out the motion controls so now that it's available on switch i think it's a pretty good game now yeah oh, i love but, mario galaxy it's still one of my favorites I, I, I didn't care too much for the motion controls but what i loved about it was just the atmosphere you see a lot of people yeah. don't realize this but the stage is a character I, I i say that a lot like you have to think of like your settings your background like where you're placing your characters as its own entity and it's like that the way outer space was portrayed in Mario Galaxy, the first one, and I, I, I specify the first one because in Mario Galaxy 2, I hated that it felt like you were just in the sky 90% of the time. Like, it didn't really feel like you were in outer space um, right, for yeah. a lot of the game, which was really mm -hmm. disappointing. Um, But... That's that's a whole rant in and of itself. I'm not going to get right. into that today. Well, that, I mean, that reminds me of like why I still love Skyward Sword. There's a lot right. of problems with Skyward Sword. You know, about half, about 50% of people that play that game are going to hate the motion controls. The other 50% right. are going to be able to get them to work. But the reason I love that game so much is because the environment and the characters feel very expressive. It feels yes. it feels like a whole world, you know. And Zelda has always been pretty good about that, right? Like yes, they have even been. even like the games that are like pretty generic like the ones for mobile are always like i always feel like man this is kind of a cool world though you know like um link's awakening i love the remake of that on the switch you know i love the style of that game just because the world seems so expressive which is what was so great about the original gamecube version was because this was a zelda game that felt like it was in a whole different world you know that's what makes uh breath of the wild so cool is that the world is so much fun to explore so even if you're not really given the best mechanics for doing that exploration many times, you know, when it, when it comes to Zelda, they always at least make it feel like you've got a cool world to explore. You know? Exactly, exactly. And that and that's exactly why I felt like Mario Galaxy was something so extraordinary that they were experimenting with because, you know, Mario was in this crazy setting and, you know, they were really creative with like 
the the creatures that would eat um antimatter for instance and like there were like these black holes and these creatures of like uh, made of man of antimatter that would attack you and that they, they had a lot of concepts to play play around with and that was just so interesting to me and i really commend them for that and it's like you said every five to seven years we get some sort of crazy innovative idea from nintendo yeah. but then they they become so samey afterwards and then they just ride mm. on that a little bit too long right. i think and that's yeah. where i feel like they could do a bit better uh-huh go ahead yeah no I, I mean i was just i was just agreeing with you yeah i mean you yeah know, I've, I've been a nintendo fan for a long time you know yeah me too <laughs> uh, probably i'm trying to think when did i get into video games the weird thing is I remember like seeing arcades that looked like Mario, but I don't think, I think they were just based on Mario. Like there were like arcade cabinets that had like, oh, you're playing a 2D platformer and you're in this castle and you're going to rescue the princess. But I don't think it was Mario. I think it was some generic version of it, but I can't like, I've never been able to find those and uh, I've never seen them again, which is weird because like, it was that time where like a lot of like, uh, I don't know, have you been in like any arcades recently? Uh, recently, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, like, a lot of times, like, there's a place here in uh, here here in Rapid City, which is one of my favorite bars to go to. They have like a basement just full of classic games, but they've also got a couple new ones. You know, like there's like a Luigi's Mansion arcade cabinets. There's a bunch of new things like that. I think there was nice. a period around the 2000s where they were like creating like arcade cabinets that were kind of similar to Mario, but like reminded me. They in in hindsight, they remind me very much of like old Flash games. So I'm mm -hmm. curious if, if maybe if that's where they originated from. I don't know. But um, yeah, I remember seeing that. And so when I found when I discovered Mario, when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11, it was just like, it's exactly like that. And then for the next next several years, I just played Mario Flash games. You know, I never played in like an actual Mario game until I was probably 14 or 15. And that was through emulation. I never had a console until I was either 18 or almost 18 oh which is wow really? crazy to think about uh, yeah yeah because uh you know um, oh yeah i it, it was it was kind of a family thing where my mom didn't want me wasting time on it so right. uh, instead i wasted a lot of time on the internet <laughs> <laughs> as we all do i suppose all, i in, in hindsight i i don't know i think that wasting time is important for kids like now that i have kids of my own it's just like i'm not gonna worry about whether or not they're like taking advantage of their childhood they can take advantage of their childhood by having fun i don't need yeah. to like, make every second of their life be productive that's yeah that's uh, mm -hmm. that's gonna result in them being like me like how i am now where i if i haven't accomplished something within the last 10 minutes i'm like i'm a waste of a person <laughs> Right, right. And that's something I feel very passionately about. You know, a lot of people hold into high regards like, oh, you have to be productive every waking moment, rise and grind. You know, you wake up at six, yeah. you do a bunch of stuff, you know, you become a productive member of society, it's, you know, you so, got to do things. It's and it's so like, bad. exactly. That's it's not, not the right mentality to have because number one, life's short. Okay. Life's yeah. short. There's no time to be thinking about mm. what I should be doing, what the future holds. I always have to think five steps ahead of myself. I think what's important is to live in the moment and you're not wasting time. If you're here on the internet, if you're here on Twitter, if you're laughing about memes about the Mario movie, or if you're drawing, or if you're just 
expressing yourself in some way. That's you living life. Like you don't yeah. have to be productive 24 seven. You don't have to be uh, bringing something to the table. You don't have to justify your existence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's I mean, a mentality yeah. that more people should understand. Yeah. It's, Go ahead. Uh, it's, very, it's very frustrating. Cause like, it's I've, I've, I see so many like especially young kids who complain mm -hmm. about like oh it's so hard to be a man and it's just like really but at the same time it's just like your your problem your problem is that women is it's not that women don't like you it's not that you know the liberal agenda is making masculinity <laughs> bad the problem is that men for for generations yeah. for I don't who knows how long I don't know at least since the uh since the 60s have been right. seen as like they're the caregiver and so right you know exactly as a when I became a parent it sucked because I wanted to be with my kid you know I wanted to, I wanted to be around this kid because I thought he was so cool and it's and it's <laughs> like I couldn't do that as much as I wanted to because I had to go out and work a job in order to pay for food for this kid you know and I right, think that, exactly. like, I think that men are encouraged so much to just ig ignore their own like emotional attachment to their family to the point where many of them just avoid it altogether. You know, they exactly. they just provide the paycheck and then they go to their garage and spend all their time in there, or you know, or they you know ignore their family when they're home. It's just like, it's like the choice they make is to emotionally disconnect rather than put in the effort to, 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 to be there the little that they can. Yeah. Um, and I completely I, agree with you there. Like we as a society have put like this strain, um, on, on everyone involved really, but mostly towards like men in the sense that it's like, you guys have to be seen as the strong pillar, the provider and this and that. But then that, like you said, that makes them emotionally detached. That makes them emotionally inept they're not able to understand when it's time to emotionally connect with a person when they're supposed to be spending time with family you know they're like oh well, i have to be working i have to provide but it's like we every single person are the people that decide what society looks like like we are the ones that decide that we can decide to change it if we don't like it if we understand mm -hmm. that it's not working and this burden this mental burden that we've placed on all of us truly to just be these nonstop working, well-oiled machines, like go out there, right. work nine yeah. to five, bring home the bacon, and that's it. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Like that's not healthy. That's what's causing so many people to be depressed, have anxiety, have burnouts. It's just not working <laughs> that way no, anymore. It is, yeah. Maybe we idolized that mentality in the past, but I think it's time to let it go, to be honest. Yeah, I mean – I think mm -hmm. I I honestly think it was time to let it go a long time ago, but it's it's very difficult <laughs> yeah. because you know you it just like you know it, it things get more and more expensive, and people's solution is always well just you just need to work harder. You're dying, kids. But um, right. I mean, that's this is part of why of like I don't I don't want to claim that like you know oh misogyny men have it just as hard as women do, but I do also like to point out to men that, like are anti-feminist that like hey dude your misogyny hurts men 
you know, almost as much as it hurts women because this whole system, it's like, you know, exactly. Uh, obviously, there's the there's the obvious of like where women are forced to like, oh, they have to be there. They have to be the people who take care of the kids. They have to be the one to cook the meals. Men can go out and they can just, you know, they can grill on their, uh, their grill. <laughs> I come back in with some dry hamburgers and whoa, applause for the man. You know, they take right. their kids to the park for five minutes and it was just like father of the year right there. Whereas women, if they don't spend every single minute taking care of their families, if they don't spend every single minute of their time, you know, ex spare time, uh, taking care of their house and cooking and doing all that junk, they're seen as like yeah. a failure as a mother. Exactly. And it's, it's so frustrating because like there should, there should be some kind of like uh, middle ground Balance? where like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't have one person providing all the one thing the whole time you know you can't have one person providing all the emotional connection and all the the housework internally right and then the other person providing um all the financial (laughs) stability and just have it separated that way like that's not how it works at least not in this day and age not anymore and going back to like our corporate conversation it's almost like the family unit has become a corporation in and of itself Exactly. Or just like, this is your job as the employee yeah. of this family. This is your job as the employee of this <laughs> Fall family. Fall in line with no. your role. Yeah. Like, no. Exactly. Like, we're yeah. human beings. We have a bunch of different emotional and physical needs that need to be met. And it's like the men need to be emotional and the women could also provide it. Like, it doesn't need to be divided the way we were dividing it before, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's true what you said. Like misogyny hurts everyone involved, everyone, because it's the mentality that that mentality is the thing that's hurting everyone. And it, it's exactly like what we said earlier. It's like the cost of living is constantly rising, and yet the value of working is not. So yeah. what happens yes. is we're stuck in a rut where we're we're like you said, oh, just work harder, kiddos. It's that easy. Well, it's really <laughs> not because you're working harder. You're working for chump change. You're working for pennies <laughs> and the cost of living just keeps rising and nothing's done about it. And everyone's just trying to figure it all out. And it's just so stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, that like like, you're, like you were saying, that emotional disconnection is just the icing on the cake. Where it's just exactly. like in order to survive, you disconnect yourself from others. In order to have time to do all the work you need to do, you don't spend time around people or you don't spend time doing the things you enjoy. And yeah, it's yeah. it's in order to change, it's going to take a drastic like change in mindset regarding like how we approach stuff. And I think I think that's what like I, this is just because I've been uh, I, I found a video recently talking about I don't know if you heard about Gamergate. It was this whole freaking ordeal with uh, uh, women that sounds in general, very like, familiar. Being, I think the moment you start talking about it, yeah. I'll remember yeah. it was. But this this guy from uh, the YouTube channel Innuendo Studios, it's part of his like uh, uh, series about the alt right. And I think what what scares me about the alt right is not that they have good arguments or that they're smart. The, what scares me about them is how effective their arguments are at roping in uh, young boys and young right. men, because they are in they are very much are, especially in like the gaming community. They feel ostracized from society already. Add to that this whole like emotional disconnection that they're pressured to get into. Uh, through society and it's very hard for them to recognize where this comes from and like 
if I if I approach somebody in that situation, um, I don't really have a good answer. Like I'm, I can't just be like, well, just do this and all your problems are solved. But the alt right can. They can be like, hey, your problem is women. And so you should hate women, you know, or your problem is the liberals. You should hate the liberals. And that's such an, it's such an easy thing to rope them into. That right. It just, and then it, it creates this kind of um, a barrier to, to changing society for the better. Yeah. You know, it creates this I barrier com- yeah. of valuing workers more. Yeah. Um, I completely yeah. agree with everything you're saying because I never trust any website or source or person who says, oh, do you have a problem? Well, let me tell you, your problem is because of this person. Like the moment you start pointing fingers, the moment you start passing the buck to someone else, the moment you start blaming others for problems that you feel and instead of retrospecting, retrospectively looking at yourself and understanding your internalized problems and trying to fix that, work that out from the inside out, then that is a problem because you're just trying to do the easy thing. Look for a scapegoat. Look for someone else to put the blame on instead of trying to fix it yourself or trying to be part of the solution instead. And that, like you said, it's very dangerous. I've seen too many times like good men, good boys going into like right. they're they're completely normal and then they're completely radicalized by these people right, who have yeah. all these twisted mentalities and they say, hey, hate this person because it's their fault. And then now they hate us for no reason. Like, like again, misogyny, yeah. like you said, misogyny hurts every player in the field. And it's like it's women are not your problem. That That's not yeah. we're not the reason that all of this is happening and they don't even realize it. <laughs> it's yeah. really sad yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, it's. Part of it is obviously there's like a situation where you're like um, in, in in trying to like change society and like trying to make a more fair society. We've forgotten that, you know, there are a lot of victims that that aren't minorities, you know, and mm-hmm. because a large majority of people are in the working class. That's like, you know, uh, maybe 80, 90 percent of people in America are in the working class. The other 10 percent have all the money, you know, um, exactly. So like. 90% of people are victims of late stage capitalism and you know and, and so in trying to like and I'm I'm not trying to say like oh ignore the minorities we're all minorities it's like no that's not <laughs> that's not the case at all you know no, my my point not. is that like you know the reason it's so easy for this the alt right movements for like the conservative movement that has become so much more radical than like it originally was um so much of that is so easy for people to fall into because they, in in many ways, they have been like kind of left behind by social changes, you know? Right. Um, and of course, I'm not trying to like, uh, I think it's important to specify that like the alt-right is not motivated by like class, um, uh, cl- class inequality. They don't care about that. They care about power. You know, they care yeah. about making sure that them as white men don't or you know mostly white men don't end up becoming the minority you know that's their motivation but they use this class inequality as a um a mechanism of uh, recruitment to get more people in their movement which is right very difficult to get out of and very easy to get deeper in 
Right. And that's such a dangerous thing altogether because it's like what I said earlier, this us versus them mentality is only going to continue having us fighting each other instead of actually solving, working together to solve the problems. And that is just so dangerous. I've seen it so many times where people are like, oh, because so-and-so was a a woman or so-and-so was a liberal Mm. or so-and-so was this or that. They put labels on people. And the moment you start labeling people, instead of seeing them as people, you see them as just the title of who you think they are and what ideologies you think they have, that's when it becomes dangerous and just so, so wrong in my opinion. Like you gotta put the labels away from the people. Like we're not just labels. (laughs) Like we're more than just that. Everyone is so uniquely built and there's just so much history and story with each individual person that you know nothing about. So why just brand me, for example, as a woman and then disregard me? You don't even know anything about who I am or what I have to say. Like you just take one look at me and you go, oh, like I'm not saying you obviously. I'm saying like these people (laughs) probably would like look at me and be like, well, I don't have any time to give to you because you're probably some liberal woman. And it's like, why are you labeling me? You don't even you don't even know me. (laughs) And that's just so sad. It's such a sad mentality to have. Yeah, well, it's a focus Mm -hmm. on on the person rather than the arguments. Exactly. I mean, many times. I mean, I like I grew up kind of entrenched in like conservative ideals you know Mm -hmm. i was very like i was very much like oh feminism is dumb because women are different from men and and men have to be the leaders because because (laughs) they they're they're not emotional anger is not a anger is not an emotion so they're not emotional (laughs) right (laughs) always the argument you hear right (laughs) but like it's but you know and and to me what i thought was happening kind of in liberal uh, ideology was that people were ignoring differences and and now that i'm older i can kind of see oh the the thing isn't about there being differences the th- the thing is about like those differences their what their relevance are right because like there are people who have different perspectives on stuff and that doesn't automatically make their opinions or their ideas invalid that just right. means that I'm gonna have a harder time understanding them because I don't, uh, you know, understand. I don't understand where they're coming from. Exactly. I what's scary is I I find myself further and further from like the people I grew up around when it comes to like the very like foundation of how we judge like not just like it's not like shades of gray. It's like black and white things. It's just like, I'm like, well, I think that, you know, I mean, I think that uh, the important part of the important thing when it comes to morality is is just to be a good person and to treat other people, you know, with empathy and, and people are just like, nope, that's not right. And it's just like, it's it's so wild to me that like people have like completely different like ideas of what like makes something a moral action. Right. And, it, and so because of that, it becomes like difficult for me to like have have discussions about about stuff because like my where i where i draw like my i guess um i i well um evidence where what i consider to be like reliable sources for validating ideas is completely different from what other people do you know and that's that's within like people that you know i agree with uh uh when it comes to like uh left right issues right because like there are i mean there are a great example of this is there are a lot of um a lot of people um 
some of them are some of them i think are like alt-right people who are just like trying to rebrand their racism but a lot of them are yeah. also legitimate like uh black liberals and leftists who are you know they're people of color but they're just like hey we're different therefore it's better if we're all separate because people can't have empathy for people that they don't understand and i'm like i i understand where you're coming from because yes you're right part of the reason that racism exists is because we see people who have like completely different cultures yeah and we're just like those people are weird i don't understand why they're acting like this we ha- don't have empathy for them um but scientific mm-hmm. studies have shown that uh the way you mitigate that is by having people around that are different you know we as exactly. a society we've kind of gotten to the point where we think that we can go through life without having like a meal with a black family, without having a conversation with a black person and think that we've missed nothing, uh, you know, because, but that's not the case, you know? And so it's very, it's, it's very difficult because like I live in a very, very white state, you know? And like, I'm just like, how am I going to get my kids to like see people of color as humans, you know, because kids, kids naturally are going everything's normalized at that age but at a certain age things stop being normal if you see a kid in a wheelchair and you haven't seen you know if you're like 12 and you haven't ever seen a kid in a wheelchair before you're gonna be like what the heck is that you know (laughs) you're just like what why is that person in a wheelchair this is so weird and you're gonna get uncomfortable and you're gonna have a hard time having empathy so this whole like Mm -hmm. Sorry, this whole like, oh, it's not segregation, it's separation. It's just like, that's a very harmful idea. But like, part of it is that my ev- my uh, standard of evidence comes from, a lot of it is from science. And like, that's a that's a scientific like thing I'm, I cite where it's just like, well, here's, here's how empathy is developed in the human brain. That's where I, you know, draw my conclusion about that. Right. <clears throat> and I absolutely agree with you on that one, because the problem is that all this internalized hatred and like all these people that are blatantly racist, even though they deny it so frequently, even though it's it's true, there's no other way to right, right, describe right. it. Um, it's simply because they have not spent enough time interacting with these people. You know, all these people who are homophobic, they've not sat down to truly talk to um, a gay or lesbian or anyone from the community like they've not had the time to truly understand who they are they've not had the time to talk to people of color or for pe- or people of other ethnic backgrounds they've not had the time to mingle and interact and truly understand and know and learn who they are and where they're coming from like they just see them as oh <clears throat> you're different from me so therefore you're weird and they don't give them the chance and you know it's very interesting because so many conservatives go oh well you know the colleges are brainwashing our kids you know they're the liberal <laughs> agenda but it's like no what's actually happening is that the kids are going <laughs> to college and they're interacting with all these new people from all these different walks of life that they've never interacted with before probably up until that moment and then they realized hey these people are literally just trying to live their lives you know the concept of live and let live and it's just so harmful that a lot of these people are literally just trying to be like well we don't think that so and so group of people should have rights and then when you get into a more liberal mindset you go well that doesn't sound right because you're a human being (laughs) and that should be all the rights that you have if you are not harming anyone with what you're doing with your life 
it really shouldn't matter. Like literally what these people are doing does not affect you in any way, shape or form. So why care so much or why try to construct? It's almost as if like, remember when you said like, oh, um, the, the misogynistic mindset is like almost a corporation where it's like, oh, this is your role in the family. Uh, You know, the woman has to do this thing Mm -hmm. and the man has to do that thing. It's almost as if that's just the conservative mindset in general. Like as a society, people are supposed to act like this. And it's like, if you're not acting like this, then that's weird. And we need to punish you for that. And it's like, no, there's so, again, everyone is built so differently. Everyone is so individually unique. There is no way to govern exactly how everyone should be behaving and acting. And, and they shouldn't be governed. Like, again, like, again, if you're, what you're doing is not hurting anyone, then let people live and let live. That's just what I think, truly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And on the, on the note of like, you know, college is making people more liberal. I would just like to point out to everyone that uh, I, I, I became a liberal without ever going to college. <laughs> and the reason for that is I was introduced to new information and that information contradicted what I believed previously. I remember exactly. when I saw that like, oh, uh, freaking the, the um, <clears throat> de- national debt went way up under presidents like Reagan and Bush and Obama got rid of the deficit. I was just like, those guys lied to me because that's, that's legitimately what I felt. And I know, I don't, I know that like a lot of my family didn't mean to like be deceptive, but they were deceived themselves. You know, I, I grown up here in like, Oh, these, these Democrats, they, they're constantly like, you know, they're constantly increasing our national debt. And then you look at the graphs and like how much spending goes to the military. And then that goes onto our national debt. And it's just like, those guys don't care about the national debt, you know? <laughs> of course they and, don't. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was very like, in a way it was like scary for me at the time because yeah. it's, it's scary having like everything that you believed and, you know, every, and everything that everyone around you believes. Yeah, exactly. Realize that it's wrong, you know, because like, you know, at this point now, it's like, I can't, I can't it seems like i can't be in like a, at a family dinner without like, without like somebody saying something that's like either bigoted or like just wrong yeah <laughs> and then I, I i i'm not like an argumentative person typically so i really don't want to like get into it especially since i know that like i said uh you know these you know my family does not have the same standard of evidence when it comes to claims that i do to them, mm-hmm. this is not an issue of facts. This is an this is an issue of like morality, you know. Right. And any facts that go against that are either not important or must be fake, because uh, there's no way that that their ideology could be wrong. So it, right. it it creates a barrier there, and you know that like I said, that contributes more to like the inability to like have these conversations and like create a better society for everybody because exactly. we can't get we can't get past the fact we can't we can't even get past like basic reality of like what is you know yeah exactly <laughs> it's like uh it's yeah it's just, I mean, it's just like you know uh i mean it's it's it, there's so many aspects of like science and like you know my my mom has always been anti-vaccine and right. a bunch of other stuff and it's just like I, there's no way for me to be like, 
uh, yeah, those those studies are wrong, or you know, no, that 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 data is fake, you know, because right. that's it, it's no longer become an issue of evidence. It's an issue of uh, yeah. yeah, beliefs. And it's so frustrating when people still to this day and age are denying facts and science and like scientific evidence. Um, it just becomes the most frustrating thing ever because again, people who are more educated tend to be leaning leaning more towards the liberal side and that's simply because we're not out here denying what these professionals know and it's like at the end of the day it's like i didn't go to school for whatever these people are telling me about like they are the professionals who got a degree in this field in this form of study why would i claim to know more than them by simply going on google or facebook and being right. like well actually the earth is flat because flat earth <laughs> society said so you know what i'm saying like it makes yeah, no yeah. sense like a sim you know how many videos i've seen of like flat earthers being like all right today i'm going to prove that the earth is flat and in their own study they pr prove that the earth is round <laughs> Right. And then they're like, um, um, well, you see, this is clearly uh, faulty data. I'll yeah. get back to you on that. And they're just so flabbergasted <laughs> because they don't know what to do with themselves. And it's like just denying science and facts is just so harmful because we need to, as a society, at least be on the same page with with mm. one thing, <laughs> at least. Because yeah. it's like if we're yeah. consistently disagreeing with things that have already been proven, then we're just going to go back and forth. And it's like I said earlier, like that harmful us versus them mentality. Like we're just boxing people up in ideologies rather than viewing people as an individual that deserves respect. And it just <sighs> becomes exhausting when people have to constantly fight and argue the same subjects over and over and over again. Um, it just becomes so harmful and so exhausting for the person. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I think it's the time that we should move on to segments. Um, oh yeah. So I'm going to. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm are going you running to out of time on the podcast? No, 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 no. We're we're fine. We're fine. Oh, okay, time. okay. My voice is just getting a little dry, is all. But anyway, um, this first segment. Wait, no, only segment, sorry, is uh, called Recommendations. It's it's where you get to recommend some stuff. I usually do three recommendations. If you can't come up with three, um, uh, then that is fine. Um, but anyway, here's a segment of Recommendations. I recommend the lobster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, I, meant to, I meant to let you know beforehand about the segment. But um, I assume since you are a media savvy person, you will be able to come up with recommendations pretty easily. I think yeah, Pedro no had worries. like four of them when he did. But um, um, so do you mean like recommendations for like shows or movies or games or just anything? Um, you know what? Anything. I've recommended like books on here before. I've recommended like uh, movies, or I've even recommended like YouTube channels before. So uh, yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna, you know, um recommend any of those for people All to right. check out no that worries um and and it's and it could be like anything that like i'm into right now or anything like that yeah yeah something you've been enjoying recently something you've been going through all right, sure thing. Um, so definitely, I know that a new segment of like the Owl House was showcased today for New York Comic Con, and if you have not seen the Owl House, it is a wonderful show. And I know that we were talking about like 
um, it was very interesting that we were talking about like all the struggles that the people of the LGBTQIA um, plus community go through and people of color and of different ethnic backgrounds go through. And this is a show that um, definitely um, helps people of those backgrounds. I, I It's something that people of those backgrounds could definitely connect with and identify with. And it's a very progressive show in that sense. And I really like it. I feel like it's really wonderful. It's really sweet. And, you know, it's got a nice mystery element, which is always fun. You know, people always compare it to Gravity Falls, <laughs> which is a phenomenal yeah. show in and of itself. It is. It's got it's a very... Great. Yeah, it's got a very interesting premise, you know, a very interesting world. And, you know, it's about magic. It's about witches. It's about a witch academy. So it, it's fun. It's a fun show. H have you seen it, by the way, Vinny? Have you seen Owl yeah, House? Yeah, that's that's I've I actually around the uh, beginning of this podcast, I first started watching it around. It's I believe it's first season had fully come out and the second season came out a few months later when I started watching it. Mm. But um, yeah, I fell in love with the show very quickly. And uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, Disney shows right now. Uh, I think yeah. probably the ones, because uh, I was watching it and Amphibia side by side. Amphibia yes. took me a little longer to get hooked into. And I don't really know why, but now I am a huge fan of both of those shows. And uh, oh, I'm very yeah. sad that they are, they, are, they are both about to be over now. So yeah, yeah sad times for Vinny. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would like to add real quick, sorry, about yes, go for Amphibia. It. That third season could have been two. In fact, it should have been three. <laughs> It felt way too rushed at the end. Yeah, it, it they, they could have made a five season show about that, and I would have been a happy person. But instead, Honestly, they rushed through the final season. Yeah, I, I agree I with you sad. on that. I I feel like I feel like with Amphibia, you definitely feel like it was rushed, but um, I feel like the ending was great. I feel like it wrapped up very nicely. So Amphibia is another one oh, that yeah. I recommend yeah. for all your listeners. If yeah, Amphibia and Owl House people tend to watch side by side just because they did come out at the same time, and it, it's really fun as well. It's it's a fun show. Uh, it's about world of frogs. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't sound that that interesting yeah. but like it, it is it like gets it really picks up it really goes crazy into the lore and the magic aspect of it all and it just it's just a fantastic show um so yeah amphibia owl house and i guess one more i can recommend is uh the dragon prince uh have you heard of that one Vinny? The i've heard prince? of it it's been on my watch list for a while but um the problem is a lot of the sh a lot of shows i watch i Jana has to be okay with like seeing and uh, mm -hmm. she doesn't love like she's got a very um she's kind of ocd so she's sensitive to um uh things that aren't quite perfect and the animation style of that show is very much it has kind of a very unique style to it and it just rubs her the wrong way so i've it's one of those shows i've got to watch at a point sometime where i can like watch it on my own alone which right. uh when you have when you have two kids it's not really easy to get a chance to do that but uh yes it has been a show that i've heard of and i've been wanting to watch for a while right oh i do recommend it i know that the art style is a little weird to get into well not so much the art style but like the animation of it like it looks kind of choppy a little bit i see what you're saying it doesn't flow that well but that is because they have kind of like a 3d and 2d blend with yeah. their with their animation and it's it's actually not that bad. Like you get used to it very quickly. I I love the show. Again, it's made by the same team that made Avatar: The Last Airbender, so that's already promising. And it's <laughs> like plot wise, it's there. Like plot wise, um, 
definitely when you watch it uh the, the by the third season you're definitely gonna feel like okay i see this is all building up to something and it's building up to something big and it really comes together and it's very poignant one thing i really love about the show more than anything else is that it really touches upon a lot of the commentary that we talked about in this podcast actually like how society is created by us the new generation we're the people that decide where society goes you know like definitely in this world in the dragon prince there everyone was caught up in their ways of like no humans have to be this in society and elves have to be that in society and the two worlds can't mix but you know the new generation comes in and it's like okay Maybe things don't have to be as black and white as we've always been. Maybe things don't have to be so traditional. Maybe we can break the mold. We can break the norm and we can create a new world for ourselves if we were just just to open up our minds a little bit. I really appreciate it for that. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, do you mind if I go get a drink of water before I give oh, my Oh, no worries. Go for it. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. Oh, I have no idea if I'm supposed to keep talking. <laughs> uh, just to entertain the audience, I guess. Um, you know, while Vinny is AFK. Not really sure if I'm supposed to do that or not. Okay, recommendations, right. Alright, so, um... Yeah, the last I thing I mentioned was the, the Dragon Prince. Oh, Go right. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Was that all three of yours? I believe I so. Count. I said, I I said so. okay. Owl House, Amphibia, and Dragon Prince were my, my okay. Okay. top there three shows. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start out with something a little little different. Uh, this is a book I found recently. I've been listening to the audiobook of it. Um, it's called Talking to Strangers. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. And I would just like to preface this as well with a little bit of a content warning because it does deal with some uh, heavy topics, some heavy situations. And essentially, the whole book just kind of deals with times that people misjudge other human beings or miscommunications happened with drastic consequences. And it's, um, yeah, it's a really interesting read. It deals with a lot of like, human psychology when it comes to like how we communicate with people we know versus people we don't know and Mm -hmm. how that has caused problems throughout the ages and in recent society and uh it's it's a really interesting read and it's it's great for like uh yeah if you kind of want to delve into um some of kind of like what we were talking about earlier where like you see people as out groups and how how those um how those differences in relationships can uh, can result in miscommunication, um, but yeah, like I said, not for the uh, if you if you're if you don't want to hear about you know some of this stuff, it's it can be it can be a bit heavy. I can only do like a couple chapters at a time before I have to take a break from it. So um, oh, I see. Wow, that yeah, intense, yeah. huh? <laughs> well, there's there's like uh, there's like. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of like a way to say that there's like there's there's some um uh kid molesting stuff going on. Wow! Which, as someone who has two kids, don't really want to hear about that. But also, oh. it is interesting in how some of these people were able to get away with horrible things for so long with just nobody 
figuring it out. Yeah, no Just repercussions. Like in hindsight, in hindsight, all the signs being there, but nobody seeing it. It is it is simul- it is simultaneously interesting and horrific, and uh, so yeah, it's it's something that um has been a great read or listen in my case, but uh, is not for anybody who like you know has like uh, PTSD or any kind of like uh, sensitivity to these topics. Um, yeah. So anyway, moving on to a happier thing. Uh, this <laughs> is a podcast. <laughs> the is from this is from several different guys from like different podcasts i listen to so um uh eli bosnick from god awful movies uh thomas smith i believe he's from uh opening arguments and tom curry who's from cognitive dissonance three different podcasts but they started a secular parenting podcast called dear old dads where they talk about their own experience with their dads as well as parenting their kids and like what challenges they've been facing and like what issues they're having to try to deal with when it comes to like, you know, how do I keep my kids safe on, on, on the internet? You know, how do I, how do I keep them from falling into the alt-right as well as like, how do I just, you know, go about like regular parenting stuff, which for me is really interesting because like I've had to like approach parenting completely different from how I expected to when I was younger, you know, um, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of that stuff I've just had to kind of relearn in a way, even though I never like, it's not like I learned how to be a parent before because nobody learns how to be a parent. I just, in my brain, I thought I'd figured it all out. Right. And um, yeah, it turns out, turns out I hadn't. And so this is nice because most, most parenting podcasts are, are not secular. And uh, for, so for me trying to approach a parenting from a more, yeah, from more, secular perspective uh you know i don't i don't care to hear about how do i get my kid to jesus it's like no i i (laughs) I care more about how do i uh how do i educate my kid while also keeping them like mentally healthy how do i keep from you know them being under the same like you know uh how do, how do I recognize well, a big one is like how to recognize mental illnesses or, you know, cause I want to be able to recognize that quickly in my kids if they have any problems, you know, I don't want I don't want them to be like I was, where I right. go through like depression and suicidal thoughts, and just nobody notices because right. you know I'm the quiet kid. You know, I I don't want that for them. I want to be able to be there for them, and it's you know this this podcast also is like it's not like they're giving you all the answers, but just in them, three of them with like all of them have a kind of different perspectives, so it it gives um. it's it's nice to have like a conversation or arguments about different topics because it gets you thinking about your own um beliefs about these things and your how you would approach these things should you ever come across them so yeah i I really enjoying that podcast and uh, i recommend it to anybody who's i don't know it, it, it actually i don't think it could it's necessarily exclusively for dads or parents but uh obviously as a dad it uh strike it hits home with me a lot yeah, it resonates with you another person exactly exactly yeah um last but not least i think i'm going to recommend an album and i i, I don't think i've recommended this before because i think it came out during my hiatus but uh george ezra who is one of my favorite musical artists released his third album gold rush kid after like five years since his last album but um yeah, it's I, I really enjoy George Ezra's stuff. I don't know if you uh, you've heard of him before. He did Budapest, 
He's got like a really deep voice, but he's like um. Remind me the name just now. It's Budapest. It's like miles from Budapest, my hidden treasure chest, golden grand pianos, my beautiful Castillo. You, ooh, I'd give it all. Yeah, it sounds um, familiar, but I'm it, not it too familiar. Song, yeah. That's like his hit, which was on the radio. So most people, I, I I heard that song before, which is how I recognized him. But um, yeah, he's he's only got a few albums, but all his albums are very, it's very upbeat stuff, which is not what I listen to mostly. But uh, at the same time, it's nice to take a break sometimes from sad songs and listen to somebody who does almost exclusively upbeat chipper songs. And um, all of his songs in this... Mo- his songs in this album are no exception. They are a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it's um one of those one of those albums I can put on for Silas when he's in the office. Except that my my record I bought to in order to have it, and I got the signed one. It I think because it was in the mailbox in the heat, the whole thing is bowed. So if I put it on my record player, jumps because it's oh. like pushed down. So uh, unfortunate about that. But uh, fortunately, we have technology, so I can just play it on Spotify. True. <laughs> but it's cool that you have, like, a physical copy on vinyl. Like, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I love vinyl. Just, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that's just like, the sound is better. I think it's very kind of cool to hear the crackle. But at the same time, I'm, I'm just like, I, it's cool because it's big. Like, you yeah, know, you know, it's, it's aesthetic. Big and you can see <laughs> the art. And a lot of those albums, people put a lot of work into making the art for them like Tupperware remix party every album they do they hire an artist for it and it's always something really cool and so it's nice to have a big version of it so that you can actually kind of appreciate that um as well yeah. as it's just kind of aesthetically pleasing to put a record on and play it and be like hey i got a record player yeah exactly that's what i was mentioning <laughs> me. then it's just a, a vibe <laughs> it really is uh well anyway i don't know about you but i've really enjoyed this episode yeah, um, absolutely. How how can people find you? What are you up to these days? Where can oh, people? Oh, uh, absolutely. So fail you. I'm I'm What's silly Drifloon on virtually any platform you can think of. I am on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and I'm going to start streaming on Twitch uh, very very soon. I'm starting up a Twitch channel. I'm getting that up and running with some of my friends. Um, with Media Nut as well, I've been working on um, ma- getting my channel up and running. I plan to stream uh, a variety of games: uh, Pokemon Unite, Splatoon 3, um, Fortnite, uh, Fall Guys, and a bunch of a bunch of games on both my PC and my Switch. And definitely, when Sonic Frontiers comes out, I'm going to be streaming that as well. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun, you know. Um, I, I plan to get started at some point this month or next month. Uh, content is coming soon. I don't have anything up yet, but it's all in the works and it's coming out very soon. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> nice, nice. I loved, I I really love Switch streaming this past winter. I don't really have time for any more, but I'm just saying I, I do miss playing Fall Guys because like it was very short-lived when it came to... <laughs> Because Among yeah. Us came out around the same time, yeah. Uh, so it was just like very similar games immediately. Among thunder. Us took over, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you if you're if you're uh, playing any like Fall Guys or Splatoon three, you know, and you're doing it to where um, uh, you have a I don't know how Splatoon's online play works. 
if you can have like friends join in. But uh, yes, I would I would enjoy can. either of those games uh, playing with you if I if I'm free at the moment. We'll have to see how it goes. But sure, um, you know, on yeah. the on the random rambling server, uh, every time we play Splatoon three or Unite or any of these games, Fall Guys or etc. Um, I do make an announcement on the events channel. So if you ever pop your head in the RRP server, you go into the events channel, you can see what games we have in mind to play. And those games that we play, I, I plan to stream. Uh, not quite yet, because again, I'm not truly ready with my channel quite yet. But at some point, I do plan to stream the games we play in the server. So it'll be a lot of fun. You know, people will hop on my stream and, <laughs> and we'll mm -hmm. get playing. We're going to get those yeah. games rolling. Yeah very soon i remember back when i was streaming earlier this year it was a common a common thing i found is like it just helped to like because it's very difficult talking for like several hours and trying to keep a stream entertaining so yeah. a lot of times i would just have a bunch of people on like a discord call and just be having conversations with people while playing zelda or while doing multiplayer or a thing i did with uh, blur velocity who was on the podcast before was we were he was teaching me how to speed run mario 64 so did that a couple times it's yeah, actually you gotta do the long fun. jump back flip yes, thing yes that took me so many tries i did i did like the speed run in uh under 50 minutes and like nice. 15 20 minutes of that was just trying to backwards long jump up the stairs but uh yeah <laughs> it, it was a ton of fun and uh yeah i uh i hope you enjoy your time twitch streaming and uh, i yes. wish you luck with that so thank anyway. you yeah as um, for the rest, hmm? oh yeah, what are you saying? Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna ask, like, if we're wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, th I think we are. Um, oh, sorry, my I I took the summer off of recording, not really intentionally, just because I got busy, and so my voice is out of shape. It's kind of unfortunate, but anyway, uh, do you have <laughs> any final parting words of wisdom for the folks at home? Uh, final parting words of wisdom. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know what I could say, uh, that I haven't already said, you know, but, uh, I guess just, you know, keep doing you, keep sharing laughs <laughs> and keep on rambling. I stole Pedro's line. <laughs> don't, don't tell okay. him he I wasn't, stole it. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't using it at the moment. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't of... using it so it's it's it falls under fair use <laughs> uh, no, you didn't trademark it uh, you're right you didn't trademark it i'm allowed uh, to steal it there we go oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway friends family those in between i would just like to remind you that if you are like me and you find yourself defined by your past or by your the circumstances of your birth just remember that martin luther king jr was named after a racist. Uh, anyway. Oh, <laughs> I, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Mar Martin Luther was, he was a huge anti-Semite. He wrote a whole book called On the Jews and Their Lies. Oh, wow. Burn down mosques. So uh, yeah, you can, ch if you're named after a racist, you can still go on to do great things. For, there you go. <laughs> for equity. Two very different uh, sides of the Martin Luther coin. <laughs> oh, all right, friends. Uh, as always, I love you. Love yourselves. And I'll see you next time on another episode of Fries with Vinny. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, Vinny. This was fun. Bye. <laughs>
Fridays with Vinny is a production of Vinny, written and produced by Vinny, starring Vinny. Special thanks to Vinny. Music provided by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Vinny is not responsible for the views and opinions expressed by Vinny or at any of parallel dimensions by other Vinny doing parallel podcasts in any alternate universes. Vinny is a property of Vinny LLC and was used with permission. Send your questions, comments, and death threats into contact at Until next time, this is Vinny signing off.